Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Hi, everybody. Welcome to Howard David Live. We get it going on a Thursday with Jason Cole from Outkick.com. Been writing about the NFL for a very long time. It almost seems like the soap opera of where's the goat going, Tom Brady? Where's Aaron Rodgers going? <laughs> it's, it's, I mean, I, I even heard a guy yesterday on ESPN in one of the panel shows mention mm-hmm. the fact that, that uh, the Jets are, would be hot to trot for him. And I couldn't disagree more. Could you imagine the upheaval at MetLife Stadium if he was a quarterback of the Jets? Furthermore, if he was a quarterback of the Jets, they go to play in Foxborough. How's that going to work out? Not well. Um, <laughs> but but look, if, if money were no object, I would assume that the Jets would pay for that. And if he was a guy who went was only interested in going to the highest bidder, then the Jets would be interested. But I don't see him wanting to do that. I mean, he's very careful about all of his moves. I don't think he wants to ruin his reputation um, in in New England, as, as you're indicating here. He doesn't want to do what, um, what Favre did by going to play for Minnesota and be vengeful. That's not, that's not um, Tom Brady's M.O., so if he goes and he plays anywhere, it's probably going to be, you know, the Raiders and play for a guy he knows and he trusts, or he's going to go to say a place like San Francisco if they don't, if they, you know, because they've got a ready-made defense and all these weapons around. If they don't decide to stay with Brock Purdy, or there'll be a couple of other places, or you know, he may stay in Tampa if he decides to play. Look, you know, I talked to somebody very close to him. Uh, you know, a while ago, probably a month ago, when that guy said, look, I think it's 50-50 whether he plays or not. Mm. And if he plays, he said, I think he's going to stay in Tampa because going to a new place and starting over to get to know everybody and change the culture of the locker room and do little things that are required to win, it takes a lot of time and a lot of effort. Now, I sort of buy that logic less um, than – Hey, where are you living and how close are you to your kids? Um, but ultimately, I, I think it's a flip of the coin about whether the guy plays or not. I think he's going to miss playing pretty soon, especially when he has to sit there and think about life and how things have gone wrong here over the last, you know, seven, eight, nine months. And he's going to miss being at work because that's action. But that is not going to occur for, for months anyway. So he's going to have to sit and think about where he decides he wants to go. 
Well, Brock Purdy is 6-0 and as a starter. Uh, and at the beginning of the year, no one would even mention his name. It was not, he was not in the conversation. But having said that, uh, I mean, Jimmy Garoppolo, he's the one – I feel so bad for this guy because everybody's looking to cut him, uh, you know, not here, everywhere. And the guy can win, right? I don't mean with San Francisco. If Brock Purdy's the guy, so be it. But Jimmy Garoppolo could certainly help other teams. Yeah, Jimmy's a good player. I mean, he's not a great player. He's good. You know, he's always looking at it this way. If you take Alex Smith as sort of your defining league average starter or slightly above league average starter, right? Is Jimmy Garoppolo some derivation of Alex Smith? And the answer to me is yes. He's a slight derivation of Alex Smith, either a little bit better or a little bit worse. Just depends on, you know, what day it is. Brock Purdy has some very special traits mentally that make him, and just enough athletic ability, just enough playing ability. Like he he can't throw the ball the way that Alex can throw the ball, but he can anticipate and read and get out of situations better than you could ever imagine. He's better than Trey Lance. Mm-hmm. Okay. Is that good enough to be a full-time league if you don't have the weapons around you and all the other things that make the 49ers functional? That's a really because there's going to come a time where, and it might happen this Sunday against Dallas and Micah Park, Parsons, right? Where Brock Purdy is going to get overwhelmed physically. Okay, because he's just you know, look, he's 5'11, he's 200 pounds, he's not that big a guy. There are going to be times where people just are going to be able to get in his face and take things away. And you want to see how does he react to that? How, how do the 49ers answer that? They haven't had to answer that so far. But let me just say this you know, you and I both covered Dan Marino. Um, Brock Purdy's ability to read a defense, and it, this is an amazing thing to say is as good as any of those guys, especially given the amount of time he's in the league. He just has a sense of reading the field and knowing where things are that is instinctive, unique, well-trained, whatever it is that created that in this kid, he's amazing at it. But the package of tools that go with that are very average to slightly below average. Jason, before we mentioned, uh, you know, kiddingly, I guess, tongue-in-cheek about Tom Brady going to a team like the Jets, as you look at this Jets team, knowing they need a quarterback, is the Jets quarterback going to training camp in August currently on their roster? No. I mean, look, they don't trust Zach Wilson, and why should they? Um, Joe Flacco's just a guy holding the clipboard at this point in time. I mean, nice, nice number two, number three quarterback. Mike White, sure, you probably keep him around, see what happens, you know, let, let it play itself out. But the guy you're hitching your wagon to to make yourself a championship team is going to be somebody else. Or Zach Wilson has to do so much work between now and then to prove it to people that they say, okay, we, we're, we're on board with allowing him a little more room. I don't think that's going to happen. Like, what's he going to do? Like, he can't practice right now. He can't go to OTAs. He can't do off-season work. So he has nothing – to stand on at this point in time to elevate himself back to the number one role. The only thing that he can do is whoever they bring in, 
he's got to do what he said. He's going to, you know, battle that guy like hell. Whatever that stupid quote was that he had, you know, after the season, that he's right. going to battle that guy like hell, which again lacked a certain amount of self awareness. But he's a kid, you know. So I'm going to I'm going to cut him a little bit of a break on the quote. What I won't cut him a break is he hasn't done the work that's required to be a better player. And that there is no question about that. And you don't know, uh, we don't know who their offensive coordinator is going to be at this point. They're interviewing a lot of people. And Nathaniel Hackett, I think, was the most recent yesterday. Uh, I remember his father, uh, who was the offensive coordinator at the Jets under Herman Edwards. Uh, mm-hmm. I mean, obviously, there's, there's a, uh, a knowledge of the game, but LaFleur didn't work out. Uh, I thought he was too predictable. I thought he lacked uh, the – maybe he didn't trust the quarterback. I don't know. Uh, look, look it's, coaches only do so much, right? You know, LaFleur can be a fall guy and try and figure it out. And maybe you say LaFleur didn't know how to teach Zach Wilson or LaFleur doesn't know how to you know, handle a young quarterback and we're going bring to bring in a new quarterback, whatever your plan is, right? You better have a plan about what you're doing with both who the personnel is and who that person is who's coaching that guy, right? And so I hopefully Salah didn't just get rid of a guy to get rid of a guy to save face. I always hate that kind of stuff, right? Because mm-hmm. you're just upsetting the apple cart for no real reason, okay? But the biggest problem with the Jets last year at quarterback and on offense was not LaFleur. It was Zach Wilson. Right. So always, always come back to that. Zach Wilson did not do what a quarterback taken that high is supposed to do to take care of a franchise. There's, there's, you start with that, you end with that, and okay, there are some other things along the way that you might change, but that's window dressing compared to Zach Wilson is the problem. What he has failed to accomplish is the problem. And maybe that's not Zach Wilson's fault or it's an evaluator's fault for picking the wrong guy, okay? But one way or the other, Zach Wilson did not work out. Jason, let's talk about the games this weekend. It's amazing to me that last year we referred to the NFC East as the NFC least. Well, now here they are with three teams still in the playoffs. Unfortunately, two of them are going to be playing each other, the Giants and the Eagles. But let's deal with that game. Uh, I mean, Jalen Hurst. Uh, his shoulder, and is it still a problem? And obviously, if it's a problem for him, it's a problem for the Eagles. Well, yeah. I mean, look, this is this is the downside of taking a running quarterback. I mean, look, all the quarterbacks get hurt, all right. But when you have guys who are out there running, they're going to take more. You know, they're going to take more damage. Just, you know, when you look what happened with Lamar Jackson in Baltimore the last two years, those guys those guys get hurt more often than guys who stay in the pocket. Um, so we'll see, you know, with Jalen Hurts, what kind of conditions. As for the comment about the NFC least, look, I'd say I think you can say that about the entire conference. Like, the entire conference is bad right now, right? Because there just aren't a lot of great quarterbacks in in the NFC right now. Um, so we're in sort of a down period. I don't know how long that down period is going to last, but you know, we're in down period um, in terms of you know big market value, you know, spectacular looking play. The teams that are left, you know, look, I, I think obviously the Giants aren't in Philly's league right now. Philly has had an incredibly consistent year 
Um, they don't make a lot of mistakes. I think they have the fewest turnovers in the league. Um, you know, they were even pretty good even with, in the couple of games without Jalen Hurts. He, you know, Gardner Minshew played pretty well because they've got the team with the least holes overall that I see out of what's left in the NFC. Um, I don't think that that Giants-Philly game is much of a game, to be quite honest. The game that really is important to me is, you know, Dallas against San Francisco. Mm. That's the really important and tough matchup. That's a that's a really tough one for me to pick. Um, and, lar- and largely because I don't, I still don't know what Brock Purdy is. I have a good sense. I've you know, watched him in person, you know, three times and watched him on TV, a couple of others. But I still don't know how he's going to react in this type of game against a pass rusher like Michael Parsons. Yeah, we'll get to that Cowboy uh, game with San Francisco. But but uh, before we wrap up the Giants and the Eagles, Daniel Jones, last year, at the end, I read this year, uh, he they didn't re-up him with his fifth-year option. Uh, but now he's a free agent. But to be quite honest, based on what we've seen, he's earned a contract. He's, he's produced with his arm. He's produced with his legs. Uh, and the victory over Minnesota on the road last week I mean, Minnesota's not the Eagles, but Daniel Jones certainly has has elevated his his status as of right now, and I don't see any reason why the Giants wouldn't extend him now. You know, it's a, it's always a tough position, and and it's always a tough position with guys. And again, we're in that Alex Smith territory. <laughs> I always come back to that, like. <laughs> Yeah, there's there's always that set of quarterbacks who you know they're elite and they're game changers, right? And then there's that group that's somewhere below that, right? And it's probably 10, 12 guys who, depending on what the day looks like, you know, Dak Prescott can look ter- terrible one day, look great another day, right? I think Dak Prescott is probably a little bit better than Daniel Jones, but I'd like to see Daniel Jones with more weapons around him, right? But, like, I don't see a huge gaping difference between those two. Hmm. The guys like Aaron Rodgers, yeah, those guys are, are way up here. And you know that, okay? You know, I think Daniel Jones is the kind of guy that if you surround him with the right talent, you can win a Super Bowl. You probably win one, you know, in the span of time. You don't win two, but you probably win one. And going out on the market to find another one is so daunting that you probably end up saying, we got to pay Daniel Jones. And that's just the, that's how it comes out. It's not real sexy. It's not really fun, but yeah, he's shown enough progress. And the one thing I like the most is look, he doesn't have a lot of great receivers. Right. I mean, they're all banged up. They're all injured. And he's managed to keep producing and doing a lot of nice things. And, you know, look, Dayball has done a great job developing quarterbacks, you know, Josh Allen, you know, he had Tua at Alabama. He had Jalen Hurts at Alabama. Um, he worked with Tom Brady. I'm not going to give Dave all credit for Tom Brady. But Tom Brady also didn't, you know, he didn't go backwards under Dave right? So everywhere that Dave has been, the quarterbacks have gotten better. And I think that that's a credit to Dave So if you have that, stick with it. You know, give, you know, give Jones the extension. Um, as problematic as it is. I would say that uh, the biggest thing difference between Daniel Jones last year and Daniel Jones now is that he hasn't turned the ball over. 
uh, only five interceptions this year. He's going to get a lot of pressure this week because the Eagles have three guys on their defense that have at least 11 sacks. So they're going to put a lot of pressure on him. Yeah, I mean, they're going to be up in his face. This is like, this is, this is a big, big test. And again, I look, I just don't think the Giants are at Philly's level. Right. Okay. The Giants took this giant step forward. Okay. Really improved, became a playoff team. Should be really pleased with all that. But now you got to go back and say, okay, we have a lot of average talent. We have, we have a terrific coach. We have a quarterback who we think we can trust. Let's go back to the drawing board and, and say, okay, where are the holes that we need to fill in? Philly's already done that. Like, they have a coach that they trust. They have the quarterback that they trust. They're like a year ahead of this. And then they filled in every other place, right? That's why they're a year to probably a year and a half ahead of where the Giants are. The Giants can get there. Philly's already there. So I would be surprised if this is a competitive game. Uh, you you got your eye on the Dallas-San Francisco game. The game that's intriguing to me is Cincinnati-Buffalo because here's Buffalo that had Miami done last week, and they let the Dolphins back into the game. Credit the Dolphins, but, but uh, particularly when they didn't have a starting quarterback. But Buffalo, you know, they, they, uh, they emerged. What they learned from last week uh, will serve them well, I would think, as they prepare for Cincinnati and Joe Burrow. I don't think Buffalo learned anything about themselves. They just really? are what they are. Yeah. Okay. I mean, it's the same game that they played against Minnesota, right? Same game that they played against Miami the first time they faced them at the beginning of the year, right? Biggest problem is they're not as good as they were then because they've lost guys to injury, you know, like Von Miller. So, like, Buffalo is what it is. Right? They are going to make mistakes. They're a super talented team that plays sloppy football from time to time. They don't have a great running game that they can say, we're up 10, now we're going to grind you. Okay? Or vice versa. We see a weakness in the way that you play the run game. We're going to grind you and set up our passing attack. Okay? This is a flawed team in some significant ways. All right? It's a super talented team in certain ways. You know, you take those receivers, the tight end, and you put them with a good offensive line and a great, spectacular quarterback. They're terrific that way. But they're kind of like what Buffalo was, you know, in, the, in that era when they went to four straight Super Bowls in the 90s. They're a little too turnover prone. They're a little too mistake prone in critical situations. And they let people back into games sometimes. And Cincinnati, that's a that that is a really tough quality when you play against Cincinnati because Cincinnati doesn't do that. And when Cincinnati plays against teams that do give them that opening, such as last year in the AFC Championship game against Kansas City, when Kansas City screwed up before the end of the first half and didn't score, right? When teams do that against Cincinnati and they, let, and they let Cincinnati back in, Joe Burrow, you know, marches through that door with, you know, his, his receivers, which is a, a hammer. You so this is a dangerous game. I, you know, I can see Buffalo. I'm not trying to say that, but a lot of this is going to depend on is it Buffalo the one that's you know has a couple of interceptions and allows a, you know. Has a has a critical fumble, you know, where 
that allows a team back in the way that they did against them. They play a little bit more mistake-free. I look at Jacksonville as an example, and watching their game last week against the Chargers reminded me of a game I called in 1993, Buffalo and Houston, the greatest comeback in the history <laughs> of, of the NFL. Uh, came yeah. from, I think it was 32 points down. Uh, I, I mean, to this day, and I talk to James Lofton all the time, and I talk to Warren Moon all the time, and I said to Warren, I said, why didn't you guys run the ball? He goes, that wasn't our offense. If you remember, they had that red gun offense, yeah. and all they do is throw yeah. the ball every down. Yeah, and yeah. Kevin, it was a Kevin Gilbride as the offensive coordinator playing yeah. basically a, yeah, the old man, playing a derivation of Mouse Davis's famous uh, run and shoot. Um, red gun, call it whatever you want to call it, you know. But yeah, they could they couldn't really run. This is the problem with wide open football teams. Okay, they they can't they can't do that. Um, and so yeah, comebacks happen more often than ever. Again, that great that you covered has been eclipsed by the you know Minnesota again, you know, or earlier this year. So no lead is safe. And in some ways, that's that's kind of it adds to the fun. Yeah. Right. Like you're you're sitting there at 24. Most of the time you turn it off and go, this is a snoozer. Right. Like I'm, I'm out of this game. It's like, no, not so much. Like teams can teams can, you know, get back right right back in it, even in the playoffs. Um, it's not the greatest looking football in the world, you know, for, for those of us who are kind of purists about it. But but it happens and it's fun. So I think that that lends itself to if you're talking about Jacksonville and Kansas City, this can be a this can be a kind of fun. Jacksonville can put up some points. Um, you know, I, do I think Kansas City is way better at this point? Yeah, I do. Yeah. But can it be can it be a fun game where you know if Kansas City is not sharp and screws something up, you know, can can they let them back in? Absolutely, Jacksonville. Because look, Jacksonville right now. Those dudes are playing on house money. Mm-hmm. Like they, they're just sitting there going, oh, we were out of this thing. What were they, two and seven, three? And, they were three and seven or something like that. And like, what do you mean? We're in the playoffs? How, how did this happen? Cool. Let's go for it. You know, like you, you, you made a few thousand at the craps table. Like, you know, like that's, like that's how they're playing. And when you can play like that, I mean, yeah, it, you can't, you can't dangerous and they can be dangerous for Kansas City especially if Kansas City gets up tight now Kansas City tends not to get up tight but they do they have a bad quality of I say you know parents will notice they play with their food too much you know what's interesting they, they don't here's, put people away here's Trevor Lawrence who throws four interceptions in the first half and four touchdown passes in the second half I don't think we'll ever see that again right well not since Jeremy but um yeah, <laughs> yeah. but yeah but it's like and, and which is funny because Trevor Lawrence, of any quarterback in the history of the game, who's reminded me physically of Joe Namath, um, college Joe Namath. If you ever look at college Joe Namath at Alabama and you watch him play, he and Trevor, he and Trevor Lawrence are like almost the exact same human being. Right? It's it's eerie to watch the two of them. But that putting that aside. Yeah, like Trevor Lawrence is sitting here going, okay, I threw four interceptions. Dude, I'm in the playoffs. Like, let's roll. You know, like, <laughs> he just, like, there's no angst. There's no anxiety. Like, he's come so far from last year 
uh, his rookie year from hell under Urban Meyer, where it was just like total dysfunction to like, hey, we got a chance to win. All right, <laughs> like just let, let let it go. I'm not worried. To, I I don't. I'm not worried about like is my is my coach going to like stay after in the, in the team at the team hotel and go to the bar and get a lap dance, you know, like, I'm not worried about that anymore. Right. <laughs> yeah. Like I'm worried. I, I'm, I, you know, like I can focus on football. Right. So like, he's been set free this year, I, I, I believe. And he's playing like it. Now, will that continue the rest of his career? No, this is a very special year for, for Jacksonville, which makes him a little bit dangerous. Well, they got the right coach now. Uh, Peterson has proven that, I mean, he won a Super Bowl in Philadelphia. Uh, he, he's the right guy. All right, let's get to the crown jewel. Dallas and San Francisco. Which Dak Prescott are we going to see? The one who played last week in the victory for Dallas or a Dak Prescott maybe weeks before. But you got a San Francisco defense that's going to really pressure him and test him. Well, look, I think both quest- both quarterbacks are under duress this week, right? Because they're facing they're facing battles that they haven't seen a lot. I do expect Dak Prescott to play well. Well enough is a different question, right? And well in every situation is a question. Like he's not going to play as bad as he played in Washington. Overwhelmingly, he plays much closer to than he did to they does to last week nor- normally. The question I always have about Dak Prescott is you've got in any game, you've got three, four, maybe five throws that you have to make, right? As a quarterback, third and six, a third and eight, you know, a big second and 15 to get yourself out of a situation, whatever it is, right? You got four or five really big throws. In the past, Dak Prescott miss, miss, has missed those throws. You know, against the Rams, he had a big third down miss that, that cost them dearly. You know, it, it just happens with Dak Prescott. And that's the thing I look for in this game. Will he be able to do that? You know, he obviously did it last week and they just rolled. But, you know, Tampa's not very good. Um, you know, Tampa's just, they've been done and just kind of gasping all season, right? Um, for a variety of reasons, but most of the offensive line is just not functional. But he played great on Monday. Will he be great on Sunday? I will say this, that this is a very unfair situation for Dallas. You know, having to play after a Monday night game to play on a Sunday against a team that has had two full days of rest. Mm -hmm. This This shouldn't be how the NFL runs. And I know I'm not, I'm, I'm saying something that a lot of other people are saying, but it's just not, this is not, not fair. I mean, I know money, money is money. I get it. But Monday night playoff games, this is not how you should determine the championship. You know, watching the game last week, the Cowboy game and uh, Mayer misses the first extra point. He misses the second extra point. When he, when McCarthy trotted him out there for the third extra point, I'm saying, what are you doing? Why not go for two? He's obviously there's something going on here up in his head or wherever. All right, he winds up missing four. So they audition kickers this week. And uh, Viscaino, I think, is the guy they signed uh, to back him up because George Santos didn't want to do it. (laughs) That's a good line. (laughs) Are people outside of New York going to get Yeah, they should, people should get that outside of New York. Yeah. Uh, George Santos, who said that he was, uh, 
Ali Haji Sheikh at the at the time, right? Yeah. Um, he, what, what the funniest thing I heard, somebody was telling me that uh, the the last thing we heard is that he is one of the descendants of Elvis Presley. That was the last thing. Oh, I heard. absolutely! I, I could totally see that. Yeah. But let, let's I can see it in their profiles. Too. Yeah. You know, when you look when you look at George Santos, you just say, "I've got this is Elvis Presley." Um, <laughs> look. I, I don't, I, I don't know, you know, the game was in hand, and I think there are some times where you just say to a guy, go work it out. Um, I'm sending you back. I believe in you. I'm sending you back out there. Go work it out. Go figure it out. Um, so it, it didn't matter in the, in the, the context of the, the score in the game. Right. And he just maybe had the yips one day. Like he just, you know, it's like Steve Sachs famously or you know, Steve sure. Blatz. You know, they, you know, now you don't know is this a permanent problem? And if it carries over in another game, then yeah, you gotta move on. And you always you never know. But maybe it was just one day he had the yips and he just like he forgot how to kick that day and didn't know how to adjust and he lost the feel for it, right? You know, people who play golf, they know that. that well, the first time they trot him out this week. You know somebody in the stands in San Francisco going to say, "Are you sure you can make this?" I mean, they're going to give him some. Oh, now, of course he's they lucky. Are. Well, he's lucky well, because he's not playing in Philadelphia. For hey, forget what the people in the stands say. What's going on in his own head? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Like, like, what is the what is your sense of confidence? Are you just, you know? And I don't know what his normal state of competitiveness is, right? But in his own head. Is he thinking I can't make this throw, right, or I can't make this kick, right? Because uh, that's what happens to guys, you know, who permanently lose it. They just lose total, you know, function from brain to either leg or or arm or whatever it happens to be. They just lose, you know, that ability to control it. You know, Chuck Knobloch, that's another guy, right? You know, yep. just it happens. You know, certain guys just they lose it. And, you know, I hope it hasn't happened to this kid. But, yeah, you know, Dallas has to be wary of it and has to have it in the back of their heads. And hopefully this kid has gotten through it and said, okay, I just – I lost the feel. I got it back. You know, I kicked 50 times on Monday and, you know, got my leg back and, and I'm okay right now. All right, before Maybe, I let you go, before I let you go, we talked about Tom Brady. I briefly talked about Lamar Jackson. What about Aaron Rodgers? Does he stay in Green Bay? Um, you know, what's interesting about Green Bay, and, and maybe the, what we saw of Jordan Love earlier this season was a really interesting. That was brief. It was, you know, 15 throws or whatever it was, you know. And I don't know what he's looked like in practice. If Jordan Love has made enough progress in practice, maybe I'm sitting there going, you know, it's time to it's it's time to, to for a divorce. And Aaron, we'll do it on your terms. We'll 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 lay the story out the way you want to lay the story out. We'll honor you, we'll take care of you. But you know, we would like to move on to Jordan Love. Because really, Aaron, for to me, like Aaron Rodgers, like some of the in-game stuff that he did with LaFleur this this year was really undercutting of LaFleur's power. Right. And really um, eviscerated the kind of respect that LaFleur needs to have in the locker room to be functional as a coach. Right. 
So we're at a really dangerous point with, with Rodgers if I'm running the Packers. Um, the other side of it is, I don't look, we all see the same thing. I don't know that Aaron is in it for the right reasons. I think he's in it for the money, and I think he's in it for the personal glory. Hmm. Um, and, and I love Aaron Rodgers, right? I, I love the way he plays. Yep. I love to watch that guy throw. If that guy was just throwing on air and just putting on an exhibition, I'd watch. I would pay, yeah. I would pay I would pay to see the guy just put on a throwing clinic, right? He's that good throwing the ball. And he's really enjoyable to talk to. You know, I like, you know, I personally like guys with big egos and who, you know, I, I enjoy covering them. But I think he's lost sight of what's the point here. Mm-hmm. And I think the point he got to the point where he was going to put his control and stamp on the Packers for his game. And that has taken over his thinking. And that's why he made the comment about the MVP the other day and didn't make that about the Super Bowl. Rob Gronkowski criticized him. Mm-hmm. And Rob was right. Rob was right. And I know Aaron doesn't like that hearing that. He, he reacts. He has very thin skin about this kind of stuff. But Rob Gronkowski was right. Um, you should be talking about Super Bowls, not MVPs. Appreciate your time and your insight as always, Jason. You stay safe. Enjoy the weekend. All right, Howard, be good. Take care. He's Jason Cole at kick.com. I've been covering the NFL for a long time. And he covered the Miami Dolphins for a very long time when he lived in South Florida. That is no longer the case. He's now in San Jose. So I expect that he'll go to the 49ers Cowboys game this week. We're awaiting Ryan Dunleavy of the New York Post. We'll talk about the Giants, uh, where they're going, uh, what their chances are of getting past Philadelphia. It's obviously not going to be an easy, easy task because, let's face it, most people thought that the Eagles, before the season started, it was going to be the Eagles and probably San Francisco in the NFC, but as uh, Jason Line, uh, you know, talked about before, we're talking about uh, the uh, the talking about the uh, the AFC has a better group. Uh, we're having some difficulty hooking up with Ryan Dunleavy, and I think we have. Uh, he's connecting right now. We'll, we'll chat with him momentarily, and we'll see. Yeah, it's Ryan. Hey, Ryan, how are you? Good. How are you? I uh, can't complain. Then uh, again, nobody cares. <laughs> you know that famous line from the Bronx Tale when Sonny's talking to the kid? Yeah, nobody cares. He's right. <laughs> Absolutely. Let's talk about the Giants. Most people think that uh, no, the Eagles have too much. Uh, they're a seven and a half point favorite. I'm not a betting man because if I bet on sports, I've been living under the highway in a tornado box. So that's just not my way. I, I just don't bet on sports. It's suicide. But let's talk about this matchup. What chance, realistically, can the Giants a avoid? And I don't know what's where Jalen Hurts is health wise. Do you? Uh, he's not on the injury report. Well, that tells us all we need to know, right? Well, I mean, there's ways to mask it, Howard, right? There's certainly ways to mask whether he is uh, – they don't have to put him on the injury report if he's practicing full and he's expected to play. So uh, 
I would not expect him to be at 100%, but he's obviously going to start. If he's able to run and play at his MVP self, but you're breaking up a little bit, but we'll, we'll try to write that ship momentarily. Uh, you've been following the Giants. Daniel Jones, here's a guy the Giants wouldn't pick up his fifth-year option. Now it seems pretty clear that they're going to re-sign him, right? We're having some kind of technical difficulties with Ryan Dunleavy of the New York Post. Hopefully that will uh, right the ship momentarily. Uh, I, I don't guess Ryan can hear me, can you? No, it's a difficulty. Having some difficulty technically uh, with Ryan. Let me try. I think we, uh, I don't know if we are able to re-hook up with Ryan, but we'll try. And if not, that's unfortunate. I guess Ryan cannot hear me. Let's try to log in again if you can't hear me, and we'll try to reestablish our connection with Ryan Dunleavy of the New York Post. I think uh, Ryan is uh, trying right now, and hopefully we'll be able to hook up with him. Here he is. Can you hear me now? I got you. Okay. Sorry for I don't know what the technical problem is. I know as much about computers as I know about brain surgery. <laughs> so... Daniel Jones, Giants uh, refused to pick up his fifth-year option. Now I think he's made it pretty clear uh, he's worth a contract, right? Oh, absolutely. He'll be back here next year and probably for years to come on much more than the fifth-year option would have cost on much more than a franchise tag would have cost. He's in, uh, he's in the neighborhood of probably – plus million dollars a year over probably four years so uh that's where i think this is headed with daniel jones he's proven he can make guys better howard which is was the question about him entering the season uh let's talk about uh the difficulty of winning of beating the same team three times in one year uh, it's happened many times in the past although i think the numbers are 15 out of 24 times uh the team that won the first two games didn't win the third game forgetting that Philadelphia defensively is going to present problems. They've got three guys on their roster that have at least 11 quarterback sacks. So there's going to be the ability that they have to put pressure on Daniel Jones. Yeah. What do the Giants do better than the Eagles, Howard? What do they do better? They They don't rush the passer better. They don't protect the passer better. They don't throw the ball better. They don't stop. They don't stop the pass better. Maybe. Maybe they run the ball better, but Miles Sanders and giant killer Boston Scott are no slouches either. So there's not really much the Giants do better than the Eagles. And the advantage the Giants have most games is their coaching staff, Dable, Wink Martindale, and Mike Kafka, and the adjustments they make to put players in the right position. Well, the Eagles have a pretty damn good coaching staff too. The Giants get to the playoffs for the first time in six years, an impressive win at Minnesota. Uh, I mean, here's Daniel Jones throws for 301 yards. He rushed for 78 more. Before the game last week, I defy any fan, Giant fans included, to say you've heard of Isaiah Hodgins. I I would hope so. He scored five touchdowns in the last six games. Uh, So if you watch the end of the regular season, that wasn't a surprise that the 
that he came on like that in the playoffs. I mean, before November 2nd, I, I had never heard of him. I'm sure most fans had never heard of him. But he's been their number one receiver for going on six weeks now. He's been a, had a very impressive – came from the Bills. Shane and Dayball knew him from there. They were involved in his drafting. And uh, I, I think they'd have to tell you that even they're surprised he's developed into a number one receiver this quickly. But he's certainly a piece for the puzzle going forward. He's no longer a huge story. You uh, made a mention of the coaching staff of the Giants. From game one, when Brian Dable decided to go for two for the win, he told that locker room that I believe in you. And so, I, I mean, I don't know if he's going to be coach of the year, maybe not, but he's done a heck of a job in his first season as the Giants head coach. You mentioned how he started the season with a two-point conversion against the Titans. Uh, let's not forget, he went for two fourth downs last game against the Vikings that were pivotal. So from right. beginning to end, he's been, he's been aggressive. I mean, it was 24-24. They had fourth and one at the seven-yard line I, with whatever it was, eight minutes to go. I think a lot of coaches kicked the field goal there. Dayball kept the offense in. Daniel Jones quarterback sneak. And then two plays later, Saquon Barkley scores the game-winning touchdown. He's going to be aggressive. It's the only way to coach when you have a talent deficiency like the Giants have. Saquon Barkley, you mentioned. What a turnabout from last year to this year. He's had a terrific season. He uh, had 109 total offensive yards last week. Uh, he's proven that you can ride him. I, I have to believe he's as big a key as anybody offensively for the Giants. Well, he wasn't last week because the Giants knew they could throw the ball on the Vikings against that soft zone defense. They learned that on Christmas Eve, and they basically replicated it last week in the playoffs. Um, this week, I don't think they'll have as much success throwing the ball. I think their success this week is largely predicated on ball control, on running the ball, on tiring down the Eagles' defensive line. Whereas Saquon was – he had 109 yards from scrimmage last week on 14 touches. But let's call it what it is. He was mostly a decoy for Daniel Jones last week. Whereas this week, I think any key to them winning the game involves probably 25 touches for Saquon. Let's uh, shift gears a little bit. I know you spent a little time covering the Jets this year. Is there, as you look at the Jets roster, is there the starting quarterback next year currently on their roster? No, definitely not. No, and that's why I think they're having a hard time find, filling the offensive coordinator role. Daryl Bevel reportedly turned it down, uh, turned down an interview yesterday. Uh, I know Nathaniel Hackett took one. Uh, no, I don't think so. I think you're looking at, you know, maybe Derek Carr, maybe Jimmy Garoppolo, somebody like that. Uh, Zach Wilson, I think, will be on the roster. I think he'll probably be the backup quarterback, be told he can compete for the starting job. But no, I don't think the starting quarterback is on the roster. I think Mike White is probably better suited going somewhere else at this point. Uh, I don't think the Jets starting quarterback is on the roster. Somebody made, a, a, uh, watching ESPN yesterday, that roundtable discussion they were having, somebody mentioned, what about Tom Brady with the Jets? Uh, Tom Brady with the Jets? There would be this upheaval with, uh, on the Jets fan base? <laughs> that, I could never see that happen. Could you? Could you see Aaron? Could you see Brett Favre playing for the Vikings? Well, that's that's a fair point. But what, they're talking about yeah. Tom Brady. <laughs> <laughs> I mean... Brett Favre was Tom Brady before Tom Brady was Tom Brady. Um, no, I mean, no, I can't. And mostly because I think he knows the dysfunction that that organization's had and he doesn't want to have to overcome it. But no, I mean, I, I, I don't think it's crazy that he would play for a right. Like, look, he tried to play for Miami, right? Like he, 
he was all in on Miami and Miami was all in on him. And they're as much a Patriots <coughs> rival as the Jets are. So uh, I don't think it's crazy, but if they had the right pieces in place, but they don't. I mean, if Josh McDaniels was the Jets coach and uh, I don't know, some other guy that he liked, Bill O'Brien was the Jets offensive coordinator. I don't think he'd have a problem putting on the green uniform, but he's not going to go at this point to a place where that's never won and that has coaches in an offense he doesn't know. That's not happening. What do you think uh, is the level of involvement that Woody Johnson has as the owner? Does he bring in Salah and talk to him? Does he bring in Joe Douglas and talk to him? What, what do you know about that? I mean, every owner does that. I mean, every owner talks with their people and says they have final decisions. I just want to be included in the thought process. As far as if it's more than that, I wouldn't know. Brian Costello, our Jets writer, does a great job. You know that much more than I do. But, uh, yeah, I mean, what he talked after the season said it wasn't his uh, call to file a fire LaFleur or move on from LaFleur, I guess is probably the right way to say it. Uh, people around the NFL don't necessarily believe, believe that. They believe that was kind of forced on Salah. The truth probably lies somewhere in the middle. Uh, but you net, really, generally, even the Giants with as good a football mind as the Maras are, you really don't want your owner making football decisions, no matter what franchise you are. Looking back to the Giants, uh, it's interesting that last year the NFC East was referred to as the NFC Least. Well, now here's three teams that are still in the playoffs. Obviously, two of them play each other this week. Uh, what a turnabout from one season to the next. Uh, yeah, no, I mean, it's not just, again, not just for one team, for the whole division. I mean, the, I, I certainly thought the NFC East was not going to be a uh, powerhouse this, this year. I thought it was a Cowboys and Eagles division only. And then you, you had the Giants obviously get in the playoffs and the Commanders are one of the best last place teams the league's seen in years. So uh, very easily could have had all four teams in. That's what I thought was going to happen in the AFC West. And then the Broncos and Raiders flopped. So uh, no, it was definitely a throwback to like the early 90s NFC East. What to you is the most intriguing game of the weekend? Bengals, Bengals, Bills, for obvious yeah. reasons. For obvious reasons, right? I mean, first of all, they're two really good teams, two Super Bowl contenders. Both could beat the Chiefs. Uh, it's a great matchup, regardless of anything else. And then you add in that the the regular season rematch was canceled because of the Demar Hamlin tragedy. Uh, it's obviously, to me, it's so clearly the most anticipated game. It could be from an X's and O's standpoint, very similar to the Bills Chiefs game last year, where it's punch, 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 and last quarterback with the ball wins the game, and then you'll have the emotion both sides feel too. Before I let you go, the, the marquee game in terms of the sex appeal is Dallas and San Francisco. You've got the, the Cowboys, and Dak Prescott played as well as he could play last week. Tom Brady played as bad as he could play last week. Cowboys emerged despite the fact that the kicker missed the first four extra points. I don't know of anybody who doesn't feel bad for that kid. And, and Mayers now, this, this new backup, they've got Vizcaino, I think, uh, will back him up. But could you imagine the first time he trots out there for a point after touchdown? What's going through his head? I mean, you got to think he just falls back on he's made a hundred, you know, he's made a thousand of them in his career, right? So you just got to think that it's not like a receiver who drops a pass or a quarterback who throws a pick. He's just got to chalk it up to one bad day. He's lucky they won and he gets a fresh start. Uh, as for the game, um, 
look, Dallas gets this reputation as like playoff chokers. They did what they had to do last week. They knocked out Tom Brady. They took care of a bad Buccaneers team that shouldn't have been in the playoffs. They're a world away from the 49ers. Uh, the 49ers defense is incredibly good. The Brock Purdy story is, is something he's making more plays really they're showing more trust in him than they showed in Jimmy G the last couple playoff runs uh so really the 49ers are going to be an incredibly tough out whether you're the Cowboys whether you've won playoff games every year whether you haven't won in 25 years whatever it is it's an incredibly tough out I this isn't 49ers Cowboys of Aikman and Steve Young this is I think pretty heavily tilted in front of the 49ers favor if there's a team that is delighted to be there it's the Jacksonville Jaguars. I mean, his his Trevor Lawrence, who throws four picks in the first half, throws four touchdowns in the second half. Uh, it, it, it was astounding to me. But uh, to be real, uh, do we really give the Jaguars a chance? No. No. I mean, I, it, it reminds me of a couple of years ago that Chiefs played the Texans, right? And then they have like three fumbles or something in the first quarter, and they were down 21 nothing to the Texans in a playoff game. And then they just whooped them like 48 to 24 or something. I think the Chiefs have that kind of rope in this game. They could make a billion mistakes and still win the game by 15 points. Uh, Dallas 49ers, you think 49ers win? Cincinnati and Buffalo, where's, where's, your, where's your choice? I'll pick the Bengals, but it's a total it's a total coin toss. I'm just Basically, I'm just picking who ends up with the ball last. But for now, I'll pick the Bengals. Before I let you go, uh, we're talking with – Ryan Dunleavy of the New York Post, which I might add, a little plug for the Post. When you look at, I mean, I've known Steve Serby for 30 years. I've known Mark Canizero for at least that long. Uh, Mike Vaccaro. I mean, it, what a great stable of writers you guys have. It's it's really fun to read. I appreciate that. Yeah, certainly have certainly have tons of content on the Giants every day this week. Yes, absolutely. It's, uh, I don't know, eight, eight pages, something like that. More to yep. come as a poster. All right, Tom Brady, where is he playing next year? Or is he playing? Raiders. Raiders. Okay. Aaron Rodgers. Does Aaron Rodgers stay in Green Bay? Good question. I'd say yes. Aaron Rodgers stays in Green Bay. He Uh, likes the song and dance drama. He likes the song and dance (laughs) drama. But today, he stays. And the other one is, this is an easy one, Lamar Jackson. I got to believe he stays in Baltimore. I don't think he stays in Baltimore. I just don't know where he goes. Really? But I, every, uh, no, Howard. Every, everything that I – everything just kind of points to – everything just kind of points to the end of that era. It just – it feels like, you know, like the way that he didn't play, the way that they haven't gotten a contract done, it just – the way they've underachieved the last couple of years, his injuries, everything just kind of reeks of need a fresh start. Now, look, they're not going to cut him. Somebody's going to have to wow them with two two first-round picks plus or three first-round picks. Uh, but I think I think that team's out there. I don't know if it's Seattle. I don't know if it's the Jets. I don't know if it's Houston. But I think that team's out there. I'd say Lamar Jackson is not on the Ravens. I just don't know who comes up with the – maybe it's Atlanta. I don't know who comes up with the best trade package. I have to believe you're going to be in Philadelphia this Sunday, right, or Saturday? I will be, yep. I'll be home. Now my only problem is I got to put together my snacks for my wife and myself. 
take a look at the take a look at the Giants pizza order they just sent out. It was uh, very impressive. They're playoff ready. Well, I'd probably go to the same place as they do because I live in northern New Jersey. Hey, appreciate it, Ryan. Thanks very much for your time. You stay safe and enjoy the game. Thanks, Garrett. I'll see you. Ryan Dunleavy of the New York Post covering the New York Giants. Final thoughts before the weekend. You can give me the NBA Finals, and I love watching that, and I've been there, and I've, I've been involved in the broadcast. You can give me the National Hockey League, and I love going to see the Rangers play. I've been rooting for the Rangers since I'm a kid. But there's nothing like NFL divisional playoff games this weekend. There's going to be some shock somewhere. I just had that gut feeling because I've seen it before. Uh, I'm going to go out on the limb. I'm going to pick the Giants to beat the Eagles. I know that's not popular, particularly with Philadelphia Eagles fans. Don't throw anything. I'm just suggesting that Daniel Jones is having a special year. He doesn't put up incredibly gaudy statistics, but between he and Saquon Barkley and Hodgins now and Slayton and some of the other receivers they have, I think they could make it difficult for Philadelphia. Now, Monday, you'll say, hey, what did you say? I'm going to stick with it. I'm going to go out on the limb and say the Giants is a seven and a half point underdog. I think we'll pull off a little bit of a surprise. I'm Howard David. You stay safe. Thanks for being a part of Howard David Live. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.